0: Welcome to the Disruptive Enterprise from MTM Technologies, a podcast series that discusses technology disruptions and uncovers how businesses can leverage technology to address these disruptions, turning them into powerful opportunities for sustainability and profitability. This series is brought to you by Citrix. MTM Technologies is a Citrix Platinum Solutions partner. Please welcome our host, Gregory J. Turner, Chief Information Officer and Chief Revenue Officer at MTM Technologies. Welcome to
1: our continuing podcast series at the Disruptive Enterprise. Today we're going to talk about disruptions that may occur in the future as a result of new technology being developed today, specifically quantum computing. And to help me explore this topic is Bill Clayman. Bill Clayman is an advisory board member for MTM Technologies. Andy is the Executive Vice President of Digital Solutions. He is a writer, contributor, speaker, author, industry analyst, and all-around good guy. And we are very pleased to have him here today. Welcome
0: to the Disruption Enterprise, Bill. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Greg. You and I are going to have to pump this energy up because we are seriously talking about quantum computers today. Uh, And I think everybody who's listening to this is on the edge of their seats just as excited as you and I are to be talking about this because... Who doesn't want to talk about the future? I mean, you're you're talking about quantum machines, like beyond the realm of the normal. I I think this is really cool. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Greg. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, so you're absolutely correct.
1: There is a lot of buzz around quantum computing. Um, I've seen recent articles from IBM, Microsoft, and Google, just to name a few of the big players. But why is it, Bill? Why is there so much buzz around quantum computing?
0: Oh, my goodness. Y- you know what? Quantum computing aims to revolutionize the way we do things, right? They promise to run calculations far beyond the reach of any sort of conventional, even supercomputer. they aim to revolutionize the discovery of things like new materials by making it possible to simulate the behavior of matter. And check this out, down to the atomic level. They can upend our existing knowledge and, and concepts of cryptography uh, and even security by cracking things like that were otherwise invincible. I mean, there's new concepts around things like quantum cryptography, and even this is where it gets really interesting, supercharge things like AI by crunching uh, through data far more efficiently. So, I mean, we are theoretically greg and everybody listening approaching the point where quantum computing and a quantum computer can effectively solve problems that classical computing simply cannot effectively we're getting to a point and we're going to talk about this a little bit later of something known as quantum supremacy
1: that's awesome bill and you know knowing what i know about quantum computing and technology i can see why people are so excited in our Disruption Enterprise series, we talked a lot about intelligent automation and artificial intelligence as being a driver of disruption in today's market. Not to take you out of your rhythm, but could you tell us a little bit more about what is quantum computing?
0: Oh my goodness, not to take me out of my rhythm. Greg, you are so kind. Listen, if I don't even know my own rhythm, I don't know how you're going to take me out of it. But you're asking me to talk about quantum computers. So I'd love to do this. Um, obviously I'd love to do this with a whiteboard. And so you guys could see me, but if you're listening to this along, just sit down and follow with me along. Okay. So imagine you have a traditional computer, right? A traditional computer in its normal state, right? If you're sitting at a machine right now, you might have a phone with you. You might have a laptop. You might have a traditional computer right underneath your desk. Those things have very, very traditional, let's call them processors, right? And a normal state of a machine is either a Follow me here. A zero, off, or a one. but on, right? That's called a classical bit, either a zero or a one. But quantum bits, right, also known as qubits, they process tasks in a revolutionary way. So, again, where we see information being stored and created as a series of ones or zeros, on or off, the very simple basics of mechanical operations... Check this out. There is no classical architecture here because qubits, quantum bits, can represent both values at the same time. And this is known as superposition. So kind of like a light switch, right, where you have on or off. Well, the superposition element here is that... It could be both on and off at the same time. A little bit like Schrödinger's cat, but we're talking about quantum computing. And as you add more qubits, that computational power obviously increases. So qubits can further be linked with other quantum bits in a process called entanglement. Now we're not we're not gonna get too sci-fi here and too down into the weeds here. Um, but when combined with superposition, these supercomputers where you're able to have a truly coherent state, um, are capable of processing a massive massive number of possible outcomes at the exact same time. Now, the really cool part is, is that we're starting to scratch some of this stuff, right? Last November, IBM had unveiled its very first 50 quantum bit or quantum computer. Um, it actually lives in a lab with a giant white case, and it pumps this Crazy, crazy cool architectures, cooling stuff that, uh, you know, it completely lets it be operating at a very, very cool temperature, that's actually liquid helium temperatures. I think it's cooled down to about four Kelvin, which is down, and then it cools it down to like 800 millikelvin and then 100 and finally 10 millikelvin. Uh, and just to give you an idea, that's ten thousandths of a degree that's above absolute zero. Then that's the lowest temperature that's theoretically possible at which. Uh, the motion of particles that constitute heat would be minimal. Like things actually stop moving. So that's the cool part about this. If you ever see Greg a supercomputer, it looks straight out of something that needs to be in Tony Stark's house. I mean, these things are crazy. So to just kind of kind of summarize it up, there's classical states one and zero on or off. And then there's the quantum state where that one or zero, it could be either one at the exact same time. Yeah. So it's like really using more of a a
1: multidimensional model for for decision making versus the standard
0: linear or binary on off. Absolutely. And, you know, you have to have that kind of revolutionary state. So I kind of want to stay a little bit High in the sky here and talk about why this is so cool. So this podcast, everybody listening is, is extraordinarily relevant because um, just a couple of days ago, and if you're, if you're Googling or searching for quantum supremacy or quantum computers, you're probably in the right spot because guess what? Google, just a couple of days ago, finally announced that it has achieved its long-proposed goal of quantum supremacy. And it's a huge, huge milestone in quantum computing because it begins this era Um, in which a quantum computer can actually start to outperform classical supercomputers for certain types of applications. Now, I think that's a really important point, Greg, before we go on, because if you have a machine, a computer, that can do uh, one quantum bit, you really – don't have that much because you would need at least 50 quantum bits to have that idea and concept of quantum supremacy where you could actually do some really cool simulations, compute architectures, and actually solve some of these world's biggest mathematical or genomic sequence challenges out there. Um, so we're just starting to scratch the surface of a, of a machine that can actually do some of this stuff. Well, that's very neat. Where does uh, quantum
1: computing kind of fall within you know emerging technologies, do you think?
0: it's, we'll call it the hype cycle, you know, how hyped up are we? We're definitely on the upswing because there's definitely still some challenges out there as far as what quantum computing is doing. But we'll Let's let's kind of settle back into reality a little bit later. I still kind of want to talk about the coolness of it because there's practical use case around this, right? Quantum chemistry, simulations, uh, communication using algorithms, and obviously things like even quantum machine learning where you can do things like – and this is great – create singularities, personalized medicine, bioinformatics – You can create advanced differential equations for physics use cases. You can research biomolecules for biology, linear algebra, code breaking. But to really sort of understand the actual applications and use cases of it, right, there's a little bit of hype right now, but there are some real-world use cases out there. So machine learning, for example, right? We're hearing about this all the time, left and right. And a lot of things we see quantum computing impacting would be improved ML through faster structured prediction. So these machines can learn and do deep learning, both supervised as well as unsupervised, and be able to make decisions at a far faster level. And that's the same thing with AI, right? Faster calculations can improve perception, comprehension, and self-awareness. Um, In the world of finance, for example, you could use a quantum computer to do things like faster and much more complex simulations for trading, uh, trajectory optimization, market instability, price optimization. Me personally, Greg, and everybody listening, I think... I think healthcare is really where it's going to make the biggest differences in our lives, right? DNA, gene sequencing, uh, radiotherapy treatment that optimizes uh, the way we treat things like brain tumor detections. And you could perform some of these calculations, genomic sequences in seconds to create very, very specific things like drug algorithms for uh, unique cancers, for example, in seconds instead of even hours or weeks. I mean, that's That's where I think we're going to see some some life altering examples of what quantum computing can do.
1: That's awesome. And it's a pleasure, Bill, for our listeners for you to bring this to us and and really give us this, you know, snapshot into the future, because this is really cool stuff. You know, is this the type of things that companies today should be investing in? Or are there, you know, more practical use cases than
0: others? And and you've talked about healthcare as being one of them. So it's funny you're mentioning this, right? Should we be investing? I've done I've done several uh, seminars with very large financial organizations that are, you know, are very excited about some of these new and emerging technologies. It's. It's definitely something I think everyone should be researching. Back in 2013 or 14, I wrote an article for a defense magazine, actually it was the United States Government Defense Magazine, that talked about quantum cryptography. And we'd finally been able to achieve a quantum cryptographic algorithm, but it was really just point to point, Greg, right? So if you're taking a look at these two points, it was a line, it was a laser that connected between these two points, and you were able to create a network-based quantum cryptography algorithm. The problem is, it was only line of sight, if you start to introduce the complexity. Of the modern network, it's pretty much going to break, um, and you know, and you really couldn't introduce any corners into this thing as well. So, I want to say that we're early on, still early on in this hype cycle, right? This growth of this technology, but you've got these articles, right? You've got you know Google that that's coming out with their new versions of, of a supercomputer that's got like fifty-three quantum bits. That's that's arguably saying that they've reached this dramatic speed up relative to to classical computing and creating an architecture that actually supports quantum supremacy. Now, you know, I'm sorry if I'm a little skeptical, mainly because there's a lot of things that are under the engine that we're not going to have time to talk about that people need to understand, right? So these machines are really, really, really sensitive. And this is why they need to be cool to some millikelvin amount, because a slight gust of air... Any sort of change in the environment will cause an error in the machine, and these errors are irreversible. And even with things like advanced error correction, you're going to have to start the entire process over again. So these machines, there's definitely still some challenges, but what's really fascinating and what's really exciting is that we're getting there. We're legitimately starting to overcome this challenge known as quantum coherence, or being able to maintain... The quantum state. Our first problem was we didn't have the hardware to do it. We were unable to cool this environment down to a specific point. But really, now we are. So having the gear to actually support this kind of architecture is becoming a reality. The next part about this is building a stable Architecture that's capable of doing multiple use cases and actually do some of this actual work. Uh, you know, there's other interesting organizations out there. Obviously, IBM, Google. I would definitely take a look at D-Wave's quantum annealing computer capabilities. But you know, there's a lot of folks that are investing into this, and you, you shouldn't be surprised, right? What takes us weeks and days and months and years sometimes. It will literally take us a because in the quantum realm of computing, the computer already knows the answer when you're asking it. I mean, that's the crazy part. Right. Well, and I think Microsoft actually said it best. Um, it's not
1: a question of uh, when quantum computing will
0: be here, but what will we solve first with it? I agree with you 100%. Personally, I can't wait to go into into the science areas and uh, in the healthcare field, um, I kind of, I kind of want to make this point clear, though, for everybody listening. It's not like you, Greg, and I are going to go out to Best Buy, if it exists by then, and buy a a quantum computer to put under our desk so that you and I can play like I don't know Super Mario Kart or whatever. That that's not. That's not the point of these things, these machines, right? They're, they really are use case specific to do extraordinarily complex mathematical computations and, and allow us to get to an ultimate answer like gene sequencing, for example, or doing like hedging strategies or price optimization, like I said earlier, at a completely unprecedented level. So, you know, kind of like when supercomputers came out, some gamers got excited, but then realized that, you know, that's not really something I'm going to be putting in my in my basement here. And it's the same thing with quantum computers, right? They're going to have very cool use cases and very specific ones as well. But it's exciting to be in this phase where we're starting to realize some of these impossibilities are actually becoming real in terms of the types of solutions and evolution that we're seeing in the quantum computing realm. Yeah, I I agree. And I think clearly it's going
1: to be led by probably science and defense leading the way, uh, much like the space exploration and the uh, race to the moon back in the 60s and 70s. And so, uh, but coming out of that, will ultimately lead us to some commercially robust models and solutions and and I think I think some of the things that you pointed out in terms of healthcare the sciences biology physics robotics and cybersecurity are really
0: great practical use cases mhm no absolutely i mean there's a lot of real uh, use cases that are out there and um, you know, a lot of times these these terminologies that you and I throw around, like digital transformation and cloud computing, and now it's quantum computing, can be very elusive. And it's very hard to grasp where these kinds of technologies are actually going to make a difference. So, again, machine learning, AI, finance, healthcare, the enterprise, and even I mean, even computer science, right? Faster, multidimensional search functions, for example, query optimization, uh, advanced mathematics uh, and simulations. I mean, these are these are all real things that you can be taking a look at, um, you know, that can change the way we, we do things a, on a daily basis. I mean, your capabilities of driving an autonomous vehicle will fundamentally change as soon as a quantum computer can help you make better and safer decisions when you're on the road as well as, you know... Predictive and prescriptive decisions around what's going to be happening around you. I mean, you're really talking about the future of what we do every single day, and even some of these technologies that we we'll leverage already.
1: I think you know maybe for our listeners, if you could just maybe uh, go through and enumerate some of the different applications and uses. I think we, you know, we have like a list of things like machine learning and finance and healthcare.
0: So you know, there's there's a couple of different things that you can do. The biggest point of quantum computing is our ability to crunch mathematical algorithms and vast amounts of data let's say almost instantaneously you know and that's going to revolve around AI machine learning traditional computing uh, mathematics physics chemistry biology the sciences and obviously a lot of the industries that revolve around uh, what we do in the world of finance for example we have an extraordinary amount of data that we leverage every single day and it's actually kind of funny because my brother works um at a very very large capital firm and you know he talks to me every single day about market trends hedge funding creating you know algorithms to be able to understand how markets are going to form deviate change based on different kinds of uh, variables and a lot of times you know programming this stuff into matLAB programming this stuff into AI engines you know working with the cloud it takes time to process some of these things so just using the financial element alone doing things like searching, pattern matching, you know, being able to do things like understanding deep levels of, of trading uh, fluctuations, being able to do things like trajectories and trajectory optimization for different variables uh, around a certain type of money or product or service. You know, there's there's a lot of different kinds of things that you can start to take a look at here. In terms of AI, I mean, being able to do things like fault diagnoses, better classifiers around things like self-awareness and you know, I swear to the next blog we're gonna be seeing Bill and Greg talk about, you know, the next Terminator movie here. Yes, the idea is to create a singularity, but again, these are all controlled environments that allow these machines to think more effectively around what we program them to do. So obviously, machine learning and AI, don't get scared. I think these are gonna be really, really important parts of our future. Again, self-driving cars, in my opinion, are absolutely gonna be powered by quantum computers in the near future. But again, there's real-world applications. So if you're listening to this and you're in the healthcare space or in the financial space or you just deal maybe you're in the retail space and you have an extraordinary amount of data and you're trying to revolutionize the way you do things like ai and ml quantum computing could absolutely be a way that you approach that obviously pharmaceuticals should be absolutely paying attention to this because it's going to change the way to deliver new products and here's the other big thing everybody you're going to see a personalization Technology because quantum computing is capable of doing that again. Healthcare is a big part of that. If you have a cancer, you know, hopefully you don't, but if you do, or a loved one, you know, doing things like genomic sequencing as well as DNA gene sequencing, you're capable of creating extraordinarily uh, specific radiotherapy treatments and even drug treatments that can be created and sequenced again in seconds instead of hours or weeks that, you know, somebody might not necessarily have. So it's, it's huge. I mean, in the healthcare world alone, chemical modeling as a possible use can speed up drug recovery while, you know, your ability to handle these extraordinary problems with machine learning are really going to be able to take care of some of these really thorny problems that we experience today. That's amazing. And I think if anybody's listening
1: today to our show, they can really get a sense of the passion and enthusiasm you have for this topic. And I know that others that are researching this and that are developing these technologies have the same passion because it really is holding the key Uh, to a lot of very complicated locks that we've, you know, that you and I have talked about in the past. And so I'm excited about it. I do think security is is certainly a a real concern. And and you and I have had long uh, conversations about, you know, it's almost like an arms race and that for every time you, you know, come up with a great security solution, there's somebody else that's figured out a way to hack into it. And one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is, you know, with IoT, the Internet of Things, it's really becoming ubiquitous and prevalent. And, you know, in fact, I had a client tell me that they're buying trucks with over 500 IoT sensors on board. Quantum computing might just be the ticket for keeping these things under control. The security concerns in IoT are almost infinite.
0: You know, any thoughts on that, Bill? So. (laughs) <laughs> so here's the really, really scary question, Greg, and everybody listening. Please don't freak out. How long until the quantum computer next door is capable of breaking your encryption? Now, that's that's a scary, scary kind of conversation here, right? Where, you know, that's, believe it or not, when the very first quantum algorithm was developed, right, one of the things we were asking was, is this an actual encryption-breaking algorithm? quantum computer it's kind of funny there's one algorithm that's called shore's algorithm and quantum can completely break rsa and elliptic curve cryptography as soon as the quantum computer has enough logical qubits to do that the other is called Grover's algorithm. These are all quantum algorithms. that can, can drastically reduce AES encryption from uh, 128 bits to 64 and can actually then be broken by your traditional run on PCs. And you can attempt to increase the bits on each algorithm to try and defend yourself. But once the quantum computer can break the lowest level of encryption, you know, we're only a couple of years away from them breaking the strongest versions of encryptions as well. Now... If you're sweating, your chief security officer, don't worry, there's good news because it's that these thousands of logical qubits are going to be needed to achieve what you can actually do to currently break some of these most common encryption algorithms that are being used. There was a really interesting uh, study done by a Canadian company called Cryptera that they said they believe that you would need close to 3,000 3, quantum bits to break an AES-128 encryption And almost uh, almost sixty seven hundred logical qubits to break an AES two fifty six encryption, and you know you can only imagine how many you'd need for even stronger uh, encryption beyond that. You need uh, more than four thousand logical bits to break an RSA twenty forty eight encryption as well. So you know that's quite a lot, right? And you know don't get too optimistic here because you know the assumption is also around things like error correcting error rates. I mean, we have to make sure that these are all working perfectly in unison. So can They break traditional encryption? Yes. But will they do it tomorrow? I don't think so. And I I think by the time that these machines are capable of breaking maybe some of these more AES and RSA-based algorithmic encryptions, we're probably going to have some advancements in encryption in general. Excellent. Excellent.
1: I wonder if uh, by combining machine learning and predictive analytics with quantum computing, science could improve the theoretical guarantees. Any thoughts on that, Bill?
0: Theoretical guarantees, right? Uh, so, so you're talking about outcomes, right? Your your confidence in a certain type of outcome. So there's there's a couple of them, right? There's an example called the Boltzmann machine, right? The quantum Boltzmann machine, which allow you to create a machine learning through faster structured prediction. And, you know, there's two types of learning that you can create based on this, semi-supervised and unsupervised learning and deep learning. So these machines will literally learn on their own and create better structured predictions. And one example that I use here are, are self-driving cars. So, you know, the question back at you, like, wouldn't you want... An architecture that can learn and give you better predictions and better outcomes and understandings when, especially when you're in a car and your hands are off, you're letting, you know, you're letting uh you know Elon Musk drive for you, for example. So so the ultimate answer here is, is yes, right? Through machine learning and integration of of quantum computing, you are going to get up to a point where you have an extraordinarily greater amount of confidence around what these things are doing, because simply put, you can get the answers faster and you can leverage that data much more effectively. So You know, the the future is absolutely going to revolve around uh, machines that can make better and obviously much more accurate decisions faster.
1: Bill, this has been absolutely amazing. And, you know, I really don't know how to end our podcast. We could probably go on and on and on. And
0: let me just give you a chance for any last words. I'd love that. And what I really want to do here, Greg, as we sort of wind this down a little bit, as, as I implore everybody to do your own research here, right? We see these articles that are coming out Google achieving quantum supremacy, we're seeing, you know, greater levels of quantum coherence being being achieved as well. But I want to bring it down to reality a little bit, right? Quantum computing and supremacy is still an elusive concept, right? Not everybody's getting it. You need all these 50 qubits to work perfectly to actually do something for you. But reality is that quantum computing is beset by errors that need to be corrected. And it's also devilishly difficult to maintain these quantum bits for any length of time, because they tend to, like we talked about earlier, decohere, which means that it loses that delicate quantum nature. So, you know, like a smoke ring breaks up at the slightest air current, that's what happens with quantum bits if something bad happens, or if there's any sort of deviation or fluctuation in the environment. The other challenge is that, you know, it's, it's it's useful in a good and right and structured environment, right? You can't just throw any task at a quantum computer. You know, in fact, even currently, many calculations are still slower on a quantum computer than on a classical machine. But this is something that's going to be changing and something that's going to be evolving here, you know, very, very soon. Remember, these machines, and when you look them up, they're very delicate. Engineers have to work to isolate that quantum chip from any noise at all. This includes electrical, magnetic, thermal, and even in the temperature has to be extremely well controlled. Uh, And as soon as we get to a point where we get better error correction, because that's still somewhat lacking, we are able to do some amazing things as far as deep neural networks, complex mathematical systems that uh, learn discrete tasks such as image recognition or machine translation by analyzing this vast amount of data. So we're getting there, but it's, it's a lack of theoretical guarantee. Guarantees right now. And we're getting there. We're certainly going to be getting there very, very soon. I think it's an extraordinary time to be working with quantum computing. But, you know, know the limits of it, know where it's properly applicable. And believe it or not, over the next few years, you might be using a service or an application or even be driven in a car where the back end, guess what? It's uh, powered by a quantum computer. So it's really exciting times. This has been amazing. Thank you, Bill. And thank you for listening.
1: I hope you found this podcast helpful and also a real snapshot of the future. For any questions, comments, or feedback, please feel free to send me an email at g.turner@mtm.com. at mtm.com. For more about us, visit mtm.com. At The Disruptive Enterprise, this is Greg Turner. Thank you.
0: The Disruptive Enterprise is brought to you by MTM Technologies, a disruption solutions provider operating in the U.S. with technical expertise and IT experience, working with clients as a trusted advisor for over 30 years.